The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information on the National Committee, visit us at www.ncuscr.org or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Weibo. Hello, everyone. I'm Jan Barris from the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and I'm delighted to have with me an old friend. Actually, we go back over three decades. It's always nice to see Dr. Pang Wan. His official title is Professor with Shanghai Academy of Social Sciences, but Pang Wan wears many hats. Uh, he's director of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization and the Belt and Road Studies Center in Shanghai. He's dean of the Center of Jewish Studies in Shanghai, vice president of the Chinese Association of Middle Eastern Studies, and I could go on and on. He's a man who has a multitude of interests, many of them center around China's relationship with the Middle East. I first came to know Professor Pang Guang back in the late 70s, early 80s, because of my own interest in China's relationship with the Jewish world. And I found him at that time to be, in fact, the only specialist working on Israel and China and the Jews in China and the history of the Chinese, I'm sorry, the history of the Jewish connection in Shanghai, uh, where he is from. Over the years, his interests have extended beyond Israel and the Jewish community to the Mideast and now to the Indian Ocean and we're delighted to have him with us here today. Since Dr. Pan is a specialist on this very wide swath of countries and regions in the world, I'm going to ask him to speak generally about China's relationship with the Mideast. It has changed over the years. In fact, it has changed since he was here at the National Committee just four years ago. So can you tell us, in general, an overview of the changes in the economic, political, security, and maybe diplomatic areas mm -hmm. between China and the Middle East? Okay. The <coughs> since 2011, China-Middle East relations basically going uh, well. And the political area is China still keep good relations with all the Middle East countries. Uh, some is regime change, but uh, most are still the, the old regime there. So even regime change country like Egypt and Tunisia, China still keep good relations with them. But the regime change uh, result the civil war like Libya, like Yemen, and uh, Syria, and also some extent uh, is uh, Iraq. Uh, China basically uh, keep relations with the legitimate government recognized by the United Nations. And the uh, most important things econom economically, although some uh, negative influence on the, the transportation, insurance, but the China-Middle East relations in economic area still developed very fast. We now say the rising rule is mainly the economically. And, and especially the, when the President Xi Jinping proposed uh, one build, one road, this is really uh, important uh, strategy uh, in the 
China Middle East relations. So many projects now began in the Middle East that build the railway, uh, the uh, uh, build the the new uh, acu- uh, new uh, new building and the railway and uh, uh, all these. Uh, now it's more and more investment there. And since now more and economic interests in Middle East, and China reasonably uh, play more important role in the diplomatic and security area. Uh, for example, uh, since 2002, China officially appointed the special envoy for Middle East affairs. After that, also the special envoy for Syria, uh, <coughs> special envoy for the chemical weapons, uh, special envoy for the Darfur Sudan issue, and this this uh, envoy and representative play very important to role to promote the peace and negotiation, and also China sent soldiers join the UN peacekeeping forces. One thousand soldiers in southern Lebanon play very important role. And uh, since this uh, so uh, more and more involvement uh, in Middle East, so China also sent the three warships to India Ocean to uh, join the anti-piracy the campaign. And uh, then uh, just uh, this year, China established a first uh, the, uh, called the supply base in Djibouti provided the food award to the three warships during the anti-piracy war. So all this indicate China, the rule in the Middle East is rising and rising. I'm curious, um, just as when China went into Africa before its movement and its expansion in the Middle East, there were many positive aspects of China's investment, uh, of China's sending construction companies, of China's foreign aid increasing into Africa. There was some pushback to that. Do you see the same sorts of issues or concerns or pushback as China expands its influence and its interests in the Middle East and, and the Indian Ocean as well? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, uh, since the develop is uh, so fast. So some Chinese company still, uh, I don't think they have the enough preparation. So especially the private company, uh, they uh, don't follow the international uh, regulation or law. For example, on labor, on environment protection, on copyright or this intellectual right. So in the past decades, the Chinese government pay more attention to this, uh, make more regulation for the foreign, uh, for the in Chinese, uh, the business invest foreign country. So now I think basically situation come back, come better. But since uh, one build one road began, it's a wide, large project. So in the future, I think we still have a lot of problem. And uh, in addition, uh, some country, uh, uh, some civil uh, conflicts broke out, or regime change. Also, we have some influence, negative influence on China's one build, one road. And also security issue uh, in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, 
the terrorist group still attack the project. So uh, in the near future, I think we still are facing a very serious challenge uh, on one belt of road. And do you think that's widely recognized in China? Is that something that's discussed within the think tank community, within the government agencies that are working on One Belt, One Road? Because you hear such positive um, discussions from China about One Belt, One Road. Yes, uh, the think tank is, have many conferences. When I'm back, uh, I have a conference about One Belt, One Road. In fact, uh, a uh, lot of differences and debating on one belt one and uh, still people still don't have the very the clear idea about what is uh, one belt one what is security such uh, challenge to one belt one road how we can manage one belt one road smoothly so i think uh, in the near future we'll have more discussion about this issue uh, about this issue and uh, in some country, we already have problem. I think many the project is going well, but some project in some country have problem. Some even withdraw. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the most still then, still then, still going well. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. Just want to go back to what you just said that there's still a lot of discussions and controversy, a lot of challenges to make sure that One Belt, One Road is smooth and, and goes successfully. This is These are questions that are being raised within China itself, or you're talking about questions from the outside? Both. The outside, uh, they have, for example, in the One Belt, One Road Summit in Beijing, uh, some country, uh, the roads, this, uh, when this uh, question, a lot of question, mostly support the one builder one hopes one builder one road are doing better, mm -hmm. but also some is uh, think uh, one builder one road is uh, is uh, really difficult to uh, to to do, yeah. and yeah, but in the within China also the scholars now more openly to discuss different issue, uh, especially the uh, uh, the the uh, opportunity and the challenges. Opportunity, of course, we have many opportunities, but the security challenges is very serious. So I think this is mainly the, the domestic concern on the security, yeah. Well, I, I'm pleased to hear that that discussion is going on as it's going on around the world um, about not just One Belt, One Road, but uh, the relationship between the countries and. In terms of that, I just wanted to end on one final note. Uh, the visit of President Trump to China is going to take place within the next few weeks. I'm curious as to what it would take for you to determine that this was a successful visit. Are there certain things that you would like to see to come from this, which in your mind would and allow all of us, both the Chinese and the American side, to say this was a successful visit? Uh, I think uh, we are happy to see the President Xi and President Trump establish a very good personal relations. They like each other. I think this is a very important base. Then uh, they really need a face-to-face -face discussion on many issues like uh, <coughs> North Korea and uh, Taiwan, one China policy, 
of course South China Sea. And uh, the area we just talk is more possibility for China-US to cooperate. It's in Middle East, in Afghanistan, in Central Asia. Uh, in fact, we already have many uh, uh, cooperation, but uh, we can have more. Uh, for example, I think we will try to persuade uh, uh, the President Trump not to leave uh, the nuclear agreement uh, with Iran and uh, maybe come back to the, the Paris Agreement <laughs> on the environment protection. I think we, uh, President Xi will try, but I'm not sure whether we can uh, successful. Well, at least this American hopes that he's very successful in both of those <laughs> efforts. So thank you again for joining us. It's thank delightful you. to see you once again and enjoy. And I hope, I, I hope the rest of your stay here is very productive. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.